0: Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views.
1: It's a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course and it's fast greens. they have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows, they got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot, like there's a whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado, I think. You can just see the mountains, you see the golf course, you know. kind of like Cheers, so everybody knows your name and your handicap.
0: That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls, or check them out online at raccooncreek.com.
1: And Cole gets another good righty And another right by Cole A left by Cole this time Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen He Shoots and scars Nathan McKinnon
2: Called J.T. Comfort 877 goes now
1: Gabriel Landeskog Collective hugs 29 and 92 me by Drew Move over Picasso
2: This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast, presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes and use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We're deep into summer, you can tell because the World Junior Summer Showcase just ended and that's going to be the main topic of the day for this one. The Avs sent six players to this tournament. But first, we kind of need to get to know exactly what the showcase is. AJ, first off, how are you doing on this Monday? And are you excited about some of the performances the Avs prospects had at this thing?
3: Yeah, you know, for, for a Monday, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I uh, got some sleep last night, got up, got to work. Stretch the old legs out, trying to avoid some senioritis as I uh, leave for vacation on Friday. So I'm just counting it down, man. (laughs) I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, exactly four days from now, where will I be?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Far from here.
3: That's right. Uh, So I'm I'm trying to avoid all that, but enjoyed watching some junior hockey uh, last week when I could actually catch them it's it's it felt like the world was conspiring against me that I could not see Bo and Byram play uh <laughs> that I only got to watch like five minutes of one of his games, and it was like k, okay.
2: yeah, but let's face it, did you really need to watch Byram to know he's a stud?
3: No, of course not, and like when you have when you have a guy with such high expectations like that you can you can fool yourself into being like he has to dominate this he has to dominate this and it he doesn't he he didn't have to dominate i don't think he did um it was it was more really just like the showcase itself man it's very defense optional
2: absolutely it's there's a reason they call this a showcase it's not to come out there and and win the tournament especially yeah. for someone like Byram who's likely a lock for the Canadian World Junior team anyway this is more of a test for some of the bubble guys, I think.
3: Yeah, the big, the big question surrounding Byram isn't if he'll be on the team or not; it's if he's on the ABS, would the ABS let him go? Right. And you got to think if he's if he's on the ABS when the WJCs are happening, it's because he's playing. Uh, yeah, he's one of think their six so. D, and he not he not going. They're not letting he ain't him going nowhere. Nowhere. He <laughs> go nowhere. Yeah. No, He's he's there to help them go win a division title, not to mess around with. Oh, midseason he can go. He can go play for Canada at the in the World Juniors. It's totally fine. Like, no. <laughs> so that's that's it's that's the conversation around him right now. Is what the Abs want to do with him? Not is he going to be on the team? Uh, he'll he definitely be on the team.
2: Yeah don't think there's any doubt he'd be in conversation for potentially their number one D if he is on that team at the end of the day.
3: And I mean, rightfully so too, because just a couple of minutes that I got to see of him, it's the same thing as, as always, you know, it's, it's the puck moving and just the way that he commands the ice when he's out there on every shift, he's, you know, he pushes it forward and he creates that offense and that's what he does. That's who he is.
2: Right. It. And we saw that, or at least I saw that. I did manage to get to watch him some. His decision making ability just really, really shown through at, at this showcase. I think he makes them so quickly and transitions play so quickly that teams just aren't ready for that. He can switch the momentum almost immediately.
3: Yeah, what what very little I got to see of him, that was what he was doing. Man, is a, a puck will come into the zone. Now. Yeah, (laughs) he would he would retrieve it and fire it back out of the zone to a teammate and kickstart transition
2: play the other way. Exactly. Very very crisp. And again, in the showcase, you know maybe the defense isn't locked down tight, but you give him that little extra space and he's going to crush you.
3: I think if we're if we're trying to make too much of this, uh, where you would start is that. it does look a little easy for him at times.
2: For sure. I I think we'll get into that with some of the other players at this tournament as well. It's just, especially if you're trying to play offense, <laughs> you have a room to skate into. You have space to use. And if you know how to take advantage of that, you're going to look good.
3: Yeah. I mean, Cole Caulfield looked like a dominant player at this, at this tournament uh, because like you said, there was there was a lot of space. We call it a tournament. It wasn't really a tournament. Um, but there was a lot of space. There was It was easy to, to slide into an open spot on offense. Uh, that Byron was able to, as easily as he was, pick up pucks and find teammates in transition goes to show you how loosely uh, the, the the teams were playing and that it yeah. was, at times, it was a lot more of a shinny feel than a, than a competitive game feel as uh, teams were just getting up and down the ice and just kind of, you know, not, I, I don't want to say they weren't taking it seriously, but like they were not, they were not dedicated defensively.
2: Right. And, and that's fair. This is for a lot of these teams other than the the USA team, really. A lot of these guys are playing together for the first time and they're all teenagers. Yeah. So it's definitely a big adjustment period because what this essentially is, is a first look for, what these nations want to do for their world junior team, junior team up in December, so it this is not going to be one of the most organized showcases, I would say.
3: Yeah, and this is about getting familiar with the program, uh, getting getting familiar with uh, coaching staff, and you know the 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 light systems work that they that they do, or they just kind of introduce everything to everybody, and they just sort of hey. When, uh, when WGC camp rolls around in December, like those guys will have a little bit of a head start because right. they attended this showcase. That's not to say that uh, if you can't make the, the, the roster without attending this. We see it happen every year with a handful of guys. Uh, guys who have great years where the, those hockey federations have to take them. You know, yeah. So this showcase doesn't even like guarantee you a roster spot. It does create a bit of an inside track though because of the the familiarity that you do create uh, with the coaching staff and with the other players. So if you find success, you're gonna put yourself into a good position. You're gonna say, All right, well this guy this guy's off to a good start, you know, and, and then if you're on the other side where Drew Hellison is, you know, Drew Hellison is one of several abs prospects who was invited, but didn't really get to play much and was cut early on, and it's not a huge surprise. That defense is really deep for the Americans because it's not just their draft kids this year, which was already a really deep group anyway. But it's other draft years as well. You know, you have other first rounders like Keandre Miller who are rolling in there and taking ice time. Yeah, so, Bodie
2: Wild as well. Some of the nineteen year old kids that he was already down the the lineup for the USNTDP this year. Yeah, and then you add on the nineteen year olds, and it shouldn't come as a surprise that he was cut.
3: definitely not. I mean, that defense, it really was, I mean, it it really was deep with talent. Right. And that he only got in a couple of, a couple of early games was okay.
2: Great. Yeah. I, I will say the one knock on Hellison at this tournament is he needs to be stronger. Uh, Some of the 19 year olds he had to play against basically just ran him over at times.
3: And I mean, coming out of a draft year, it's yeah, the number one thing right. we talk about with kids. Uh, no surprise at all. Yeah, you've got to get. You're going to have to get into a strength and conditioning program. A lot of these kids have, uh, you know, that one year of college does wonders for you because you get into that program, you get into a consistent weight room, you get into that rhythm. Whereas in the in the DP, you may not have that.
2: Right, and this tournament is played at the USNTDP home rink in Michigan, so. That actually means that everyone at this tournament isn't even old enough to drink. So it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver, because I am old enough to drink. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they also just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky. I saw it Making the Rounds on Twitter the other day, and I'm sure you guys are going to love it if you haven't tried it yet. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for the Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it about a month ago, and we have all of our events that we've planned on there where we will be drinking Breck beers, and you can RSVP to all of them. So come out and have a good time with us. All right, so we've kind of covered Hellison, who was cut early, and Byram, who looked quite strong but didn't play very much. Those are the two defensemen the abs sent. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to touch on Eustace Annen, the one goalie they sent there. He played okay. Didn't really seem to matter that much. At this point, the way Finland is shaping up, seems like he's going to be their go-to guy in net. He was really the
3: only one that I thought... Outside of Byram, who's an obvious, like, he'll be on there if he's available for obvious reasons. Right. Uh, but he was he was the only other abs prospect there that I thought this kid is, they because of the position and because of the depth and the way that they've been doing it, they've kind of been grooming him for this this year for the last two
2: years. Yeah, for sure.
3: Giving him a little bit of an international uh, experience and opportunity, he gets to be the backup, gets to be a third guy you know, kind of getting him used to the environment and getting it, and which is what you do with goalies. You have like a, you always have a plan in place of, okay, well, there's this guy, oh, this guy's next, you know, this guy's the next one in line a couple years from now. So you'll see him, you know, get a game or two and and start to get the, the treatment that Annaman had previous years. Yep. But I do think, I do think that they are looking at making Annaman their guy. He looks like, the dude for them that they're going to want to to roll into that tournament with.
2: Yeah, I, I fully agree. I don't, his competition at this showcase wasn't impressive to me at all. I'm not exactly sure what some of their other options are in, in leagues back in Finland, but the fact that they brought yeah. Anand in here and he was clearly their, their number one at this showcase, I think puts him well ahead at least. And he did play in three games, two of the three, I would say he played well enough. The third one, he did struggle a bit, but his competition just didn't look good in either game that they, that he got.
3: Yeah, definitely stood out. And I thought Anonin was really, really solid until that last game that he played where he just kind of got snowed in a little bit.
2: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. It's I think he got a little bit lucky, especially in that first game that he played. He seems to to have a way with the posts, but hey, if it's working for him, take it. Do wonder about a couple of those softies, but again, it's summer. You can't. It's really hard to judge goalies in the summer.
3: Yeah, and you know, you and I were watching uh, those games, and we we both thought that uh, it was a little soft. But you're also talking about guys with clean looks within right. like four or five feet of them.
2: Right. It's it's not <laughs> easy save making.
3: Right. And that was that was some of like. Another good, another reason why you also have to be careful putting too much stock into the offensive numbers. Yeah, was because some of the goals that they were scoring,
2: they're just kind of like,
3: okay. Oh, there was
2: another breakaway. Okay, there, right,
3: like there were not a lot of. Oh, great shot! You know, no goalie's gonna stop that kind of goals in the in the. However many games ended up being played, like twelve games played or whatever.
2: Yeah, just to like to show how much offense there was in this tournament. The last four games of the tournament, the scores were 5-3, 6-3, 6-5 and 5-2. Five, right. So there were goals. a lot of goals getting scored.
3: Again, defense not at a uh, not a priority in these games here. Yeah. The offenses are able to really get on top of them and and take advantage of very lighthearted attempts to to to, to defend
2: their own zone. I I fully agree with that one. It's it's going to be like that in the summer. It's going to be like that when you get a bunch of young players together for the first time. And, and that's just kind of part of the showcase. You're looking at more individual performances and what skills are strong to see how to build a, a world junior team. But uh, one thing I can tell you is if Byram does end up going to world juniors with Canada is he will absolutely be game changing for them. So. I'm excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee as well. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This cbd infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, it has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN 2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. It's going to do it for segment one of this podcast. We're going to come back in segment two with the other three players the Avs had at the showcase and then kind of break down a little bit more of their younger players. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast here. I'm Nathan. He's AJ. We're still talking World Junior Summer Showcase. We have two more players from Canada here. One of them, I think, has a chance to make the team one, probably not. The one not being Luca Burzan. AJ, did you manage to see much of him? Honestly, I watched the games and I didn't even see much of him.
3: Yeah, I only got to see, though, one of the games in which he played. And he was just not a real impact guy out there. Yeah, it was it was different in that. Uh both New Hook and Burzan were kind of lower in the lineup, but you still saw New Hook all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Luca Berzan, not so much. I really did not see a lot of him. Uh didn't didn't flash, didn't jump out a whole lot. It was it wasn't it wasn't really disappointing. I was surprised he was there to begin with uh so it it was fine like it it kind of jived with expectations where he's got a he's got to go and prove it in juniors again uh i i like that he got the invite i wish he would have done more with it it would have it would have really helped me with my love of him as like the underrated guy in that draft class yeah but you never know i mean it it wasn't it wasn't bad just didn't just didn't see a lot of him. That's all. Yeah.
2: I I do wonder about his role at the showcase given the assumption as he was drafted for his, his high end offensive talent. You're looking at what they did with him in that tournament. A lot of defensive zone starts, limited Mm -hmm. minutes, a lot of defensive just in general play, doing things like blocking shots and the like. And obviously he's not going to show that well in a situation like that.
3: Yeah, Um, absolutely. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> uh we're talking about not a not a strong defensive atmosphere, and yet that was what they asked him to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's
3: like great. <laughs> we're talking about setting somebody up to fail.
2: Meanwhile, they pretty much cut New Hook loose entirely to just skate fast.
3: Yeah, let's talk about him for a little bit because of all their guys that 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 were at the showcase, I thought he was the most polarizing. Obviously, as a first round pick, you have high expectations for his ability to be uh, a high picked offensive kinda. player. Yeah, you know, a guy that you really think, but but coming from the BCHL, you know, there's going to be more of an adjustment period. Yeah, we saw it a little bit at uh, the U18s where it took him a little bit, and he had a very he was very successful there, had a good strong tournament, but you could see that there was adjustment there that the higher level, the faster level, and him playing on the wing. Again, he goes to another another one of these international competitions, and they're asking him to play wing and right. instead of that center. So he's not quite as in the middle of literally, quite literally in the middle of the action like he <laughs> normally is. Yep. Uh, so it's it's I I I, I never want to make too much of this, right? Of but course. there were downsides. He got he still locks into the and like he's had no development time since getting drafted. Yeah. So it's not like we're going to see major changes in his game, but. Is still very much a puppy chasing a tennis ball when he walks onto the puck defensively yeah, and just kind of follows it around. You right. know, he's not, he's not necessarily covering anybody. He's not getting after the actual puck carrier. He's just sort of lurking
2: very much. See puck, get puck type of play, not reading the play in a defensive manner and predicting where it's going to be. And, that's not the end of the world. I, I do think he still showed some good reads offensively when he had time and space again. There were a couple of times when he had the puck on his stick and he was running out of time quickly and you saw him just dump it to an area, often resulting in a turnover. That's partially because of what I mentioned with these guys being young kids playing together for the first time, yeah. but you could see he just needs to get that half second quicker with his decisions
3: yeah and one thing i did i did see that i liked uh that i didn't see as much in person at dev camp which is another reason why you don't make dev camp as this end all be all yeah uh is that i liked his i liked his shot a lot more yeah at the the showcase than i did at dev camp where i was kind of disappointed by it
2: yeah it was very weird because he was drafted with a good shot and then the dev camp it did not look great. And then it was back a bit here. There are a couple of ones I'd like to see a little bit more on, on one of his breakaways. He struggled to lift it, but he did have a much better looking shot in comparison to dev camp. I agree.
3: Yeah. And you wonder about that, you know, uh, dev camp is also, it also comes the week after they've been drafted. They haven't been on the ice much. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all knocking rust off and this has been a, the whirlwind week of a lifetime for them. (laughs) uh where everything is chaotic. Yeah. So you really, you know, it was it was not surprising to see that there was an anomalous performance at Dev Camp uh somewhere in his game because otherwise he looked like as advertised, you know, the skating, the quickness, uh the hands in general. Uh they're not as they're not as high level as his feet because his feet are I'm sorry to I'm sorry to rhyme, but they're already elite. And <laughs> the hands still have a little bit of catching up to do. And I think we saw more of that here at this tournament where it's obvious he needs at least a year in college. Yeah. Um, we've been kind of saying he's probably going to need two years um, just to, just to let him bulk up a little bit. You know, he's right. a little on the, he's a little on the small size, let him, let him continue to physically mature a little bit and get a, get more accustomed to playing against the higher level of competition and then dominating that competition.
2: Right, yeah. I'm not worried about him taking the step to the next level as far as skill-wise, but like you said in the same vein of Hellison, he does need more size. There were a couple of times at the showcase where he just straight up got out muscled. Yeah.
3: A guy would a guy would lean on him a little bit in a puck battle and it was over. Yeah, pretty much. It went the other way basically every other every time um, Yeah. That when he that ran he, out of
2: room, basically. Yeah,
3: every t- every time his skating no longer gave him the advantage, and it was a contested situation. Uh, he was. He, it's just an area of his game he's going to have to do a lot of work at.
2: Yeah, exactly. I don't disagree with that at all. But there is one more player, the absent, and even beyond the abs, I think for most people that watch the showcase, he was one of the top players at the whole thing, and that is Sampo Ranta who put up four goals and two assists for six points. This does play right into his skill set, but boy, was he fun to watch at this thing.
3: Well, and the four goals could have been seven. Yeah, because I counted at least three posts in that in that uh, over the over the weekend or over the week, I guess. So great numbers. I think he was tied for second with Nolan Foote in scoring at the tournament. And the
2: leader was a defenseman and Anthony Honka.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, how seriously do you take this? Because that's what I've been struggling with all week. Right. Yeah. You you know, like, and I, I tell people like when Hellison got cut and I got a, I got a tweet about it and they said, Hey, is this anything to be concerned about? And I said, keep in mind, two years ago, Connor Timmons was the worst player at this thing.
1: Right.
3: In like four or five, I think it was like four games, three games. He was like a negative nine or something and and was just awful. He was absolutely awful at this exact uh, event two years ago and then went on to have a phenomenal D plus one and right. and made the world junior team despite a horrible summer showcase and ended up as one of their three best players at the end of the tournament. So you look at that alone, and knowing how we've been talking about how this is not a great environment for defenders, well, it's a great environment for forwards. Sure is. So seeing a forward who has the kind of explosive talent that Ranta has, and that's never been under question. When he was drafted, that was what we talked about, was this is a guy that talent-wise... In terms of his just his raw skill, getting him in the third round was a big steal. A lot of there was a lot of late first round hype, second round hype to him yeah. because of his just his inherent ability to play hockey. Yeah. The question marks were all about his ability to understand how to play hockey. Does he know where to go? Does he know what he's doing? Can he process the game at a higher level? There, the
2: hockey IQ questions were the biggest thing. Yeah, I I fully agree. With all of that, I will say I do think this is a positive for him. I don't want to take too much out of it, like you said. The one thing that I really liked out of it was throughout all five games in the showcase, he looked good. He was a positive impact player in all of them, showing a bit of consistency that he really lacked in his first year of college last season. And that's, I think, where he can make big, big gains this year. If he can bring that into his college year, Mm -hmm. then... Maybe you're talking about a contract at the end of this season. And More realistically, you're looking at after his junior year, but maybe.
3: And this was, this is the kind of step forward you want to see from a guy like that, though. You want to see right. the skill take over. Exactly. And that's what, that's what we saw last week. We saw a very, very skilled player making, uh, making life miserable for opposing defenses with his feet, with, you know, the speed was causing all kinds of problems uh the hands obviously cashed in he got he had four goals and that last breakaway goal was yeah that was dirty to to so casually go to your backhand at the speed in which he was skating and and put it where he was it's a high skill thing to do right that's and
2: miko like backhand right like it there. was
3: it was the kind of thing where you're like oh sh- okay okay we'll see you <laughs> You know, like you see it, and there's a there's an appreciation for the skill level there, and it's it's great. Like this is exactly what you wanted to see, uh, and it's and it's why I've been a proponent of the Avs drafting the the higher skill guys in middle to middle to later rounds. You know, draft draft guys with high end ability somewhere, yeah, and hope that the that the flaws will develop. I was not right. a big fan of the Sampo Ranta pick because i'm hockey iQ is one of the hardest things to develop, especially getting going to higher and higher levels. but his skill set was definitely evident <laughs> yeah, his skill set was always there when he was drafted, and we saw a little we saw flashes of it at Minnesota, yeah. you know his first weekend as an NCAA player he was all about it. He was the man.
2: Yeah, he he does feel like a player where if he can get that hockey IQ to a level where he can just get out of his own way, then you have something. And at Minnesota, he's
3: going to have an opportunity. Um, Four of their top nine scores from last year are gone.
2: Yep. They kind of had built that freshman third line last year as well, that they kind of just rank up the system and you get them playing in the top six in a situation that he's comfortable in.
3: With Ranta... Get excited. I don't want to tell anybody not to be excited. Right. <laughs> He's an electric talent, and if he puts it all together, the Avs could have a serious steal on their hands uh, in as in in Ranta as, as a prospect. Because if he goes out there and he puts up a 40-point season in college this year, there's a very real conversation about signing him and getting him to the Eagles because he would be the kind of dynamic forward prospect they don't really have even right. in a, even with a martin Kout, that's not what martin Kout does you know he's not a dynamic very different guy player's
2: yeah very almost polar opposites i would right. say
3: like like Kaut is is a safe like you know what you're going to get meat and potatoes a very solid two way guy that's not going to blow you away with wow flashy skill level right doesn't mean it's not there It doesn't mean like he's bad and then that he isn't a high skill player just that he's not it's it's not a lot of flash Ranta's an awful lot of flash and you're just hoping the substance catches up with him. And if it does, then he could be a big time prospect for them.
2: If he hits, that's the big question. And this was a good first step to the season. He now needs to bring that consistency to college. And then you can really start having the conversation.
0: And,
3: and to be honest, like we haven't seen a lot of this out of, out of uh, Avs non first rounders in recent years. Very there sure. Haven't been, you know, getting excited about uh, Kovalenko at last year's WJCs when he was part of that Russian team. We haven't we haven't gotten to see a lot of that for non first round prospects, especially at forward. It's weird to say that now, now after uh, McCarr and Timmins, and now with Byram, where you're just kind of <laughs> yeah. like, well, they've for the last like three years now they've had an elite defenseman just sort of sitting around at all times in their in their pipeline, uh, but. Now, you know, it's it's at forward where they've graduated all their high end forwards and they haven't produced much of anything at the position. It's it's on it's it's forwards, man. They they have not gotten anything out of them. You look at, uh oh, where, you know, all the abs haven't gotten anything out of these guys that they've drafted. And that, that you know, Anton Lindholm is like their their best draft pick that's played the most games for them outside of the first round. You know, Chris, right. Chris Vigra, you know, that it's like failed defenseman. Andre Miranov would have been fine had he not taken his ball and gone home. Uh, Will and Butcher the, was a defenseman, yeah. you know, like it's it's defensemen where they've they've had their very limited amount of success.
2: Yeah, right. Outside of A.J. Greer, most yeah. of the forwards haven't even had a cup of coffee. So,
3: right. Uh, I mean, it's like Joey Hishon with like 16 games was like. The last draft pick. Yeah. Right. And he was, a, he was a first round pick. So it was almost like they were obligated to give it to him. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's been, it's been, it's been interesting, man, that, that there are now a couple, you know, Kovalenko last year, uh, Ranta right now where you're starting to feel like, Hey man, they might have something in some of these kids. Now, yeah. again, you, you don't want to get too high. Definitely. Because not of a, a, because of a summer showcase performance it will mean nothing. The, the summer showcase will be utterly meaningless a month into the, into the college hockey season. And yeah. if he hasn't done anything, you're not going to be able to be like, Oh, well, but at the summer showcase, he showed so well. And there's, t- you, you have to continue to believe in what he did that one time when he hasn't done that anywhere else at any other <laughs> time in his career. Right. He hasn't had a week like that, you know? Exactly. So you're hoping it's a step forward, but he's got to prove that it's a step forward and it's not a one-off.
2: 100%. I, I think that's a good place to stop segment two. We kind of mentioned Kovalenko. That might be a guy we talk about in segment three and some of the other ABS prospects that did not come to this showcase. First, I got to pay a couple bills here, though. I hope Sampo Ranta hits at least 30 points and to go along with that, Total Beverage is offering 30, that's right, 30% off of their orders for $25 or more for the BSN family. Use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. And as you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area, from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered. Cheers. Final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast for this Monday with Nathan and AJ. We've talked about the guys that went to the summer showcase, but the Avs do have a number of other forward prospects that still aren't in the pro game. They drafted three or four that we haven't talked about yet this past offseason and the year before a bunch more. So kind of want to get into some of those. We can start with Kovalenko, the sixth rounder from 2018. We've talked him up a lot last season. He still looks solid. You expect him to be a full timer in the KHL in this coming year. It just kind of, kind of going to come down to what his production can be in that league. If, for me, how about you, AJ?
3: Yeah, I want to see the. I want to see the adjustment. Uh, there's, there's got to be more than he's got to prove. He's more than just uh, uh, an intriguing fourth line penalty killer. Defensive guy that that can kind of succeed in that area because that's where we've seen him be good. Yeah, so you want to see a little bit more you certainly want to see a more well-rounded offensive arsenal. Um, you want to see a, a more physically mature player. You know, he's a guy that it always surprises me how small he is. Uh, I should say how short he is. Uh, So you want to see him continue to, to fill out and he's got to turn into a little battle tank, you know. Yep. He's he's got to bulk up a, a little bit and and get into the 185-190 range for him to be uh at at an appropriate playing weight given his his height the weight and he playing for sure. Yeah, especially. And, and exactly. And and if he's going to hold up physically playing kind of that 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 physical grindy style uh with with some skill tossed in, you know, you want to you want to see him be able to hold up and so I—that's what I want to see. I want to see a guy that uh, breaks through offensively. Of course, you want the production. You always want the numbers, uh, but you want to see the all-around game continue to to be a strength of his. And I want to—I want to see him physically
2: uh, mature. Yeah, I I agree with that fully. It's I'd like to see a little bit more opportunity for him as well. I think that will help him in all of those categories in the KHL, but. He's a guy that's still two years away, for sure. He'll play out his KHL years and then likely look to jump straight to the NHL, I would think. But it's a bit of a different path from most of the other guys we're going to be talking about here. And that includes Tyler Weiss. He's got
3: one more year left on his deal or two more years on his KHL deal maybe two. i think it's two yeah, yeah i'm pretty it's sure it's two yeah it's got two years so yeah Colorado could can, can, can and they because of the weird uh rights rules they own his rights until the end of time yeah eternity um they they've got time to wait on him there's no rush like he's yep. a, he's a guy that can properly develop in pro hockey elsewhere
2: and that's mostly true of nearly all of these players except for maybe new hook. You don't you're really hoping that two years is the maximum on him. But I, th- I
3: think that's a fair statement that most of the guys we're gonna be talking about will be at least two years yeah. developing elsewhere before they get to Colorado's system.
2: Right. And, and that includes Tyler Weiss, who is in a bit of a tough situation given he was injured a lot last year. Yeah. When he was healthy, he did flash some good skill and then not on the ice this year for dev camp again and you start to wonder a bit
3: well and this was our concern he got he got drafted and it wasn't so much that he was 510 it was that he was 150 pounds soaking wet it's it's so so thin yeah and it's just it's a build that needs to because look when you watch him play you love the skill the speed, the skill. I've talked to him off the ice. He loved the, the kid's maturity, where he's come from, his background. He's very well grounded. Uh, he's had he had a bit he had a bit of a tough go there uh, in his in his younger life. That you know, lots of sacrifices have been made to further his hockey career, and he's gotten here. And hey, the talent isn't the question here. Right? It's, it's can he stay healthy long enough to 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 get the ice time he needs. To continue to develop the skills and to continue to physically develop to a place where you're comfortable putting him <laughs> in professional hockey, where he, you know, is not risking his life.
2: Yeah, yeah it's it, he does need to continue to to get to at least a bit better playing weight. I mean, right now, yeah. you, you know, your paper can knock him over, so it's going to be a significant change there. And I wonder if he can keep his agility and and smaller play style and bulk up enough as he needs to. It's
3: he's one of my, he's one of my sleepers for them. Yeah. Where I love, I, I love the skill level and this is a kid though. That's probably four years at college certainly at least
2: three i would say
3: i he would have to make a major physical breakthrough for me to be comfortable signing him after his junior year yeah or or he'd have to do something silly like score 65 points yeah right where you're just like okay don't don't worry about this let's get him to the eagles now please (laughs) but that's that's kind of the path there though is that he's gonna have to do that he's he's gonna have to Take his time at uh, at Nebraska Omaha, and then it's going to have to be AHL time. This is not going to be a guy that's able to just jump into the NHL uh, quickly. And I think we're you know given where Colorado is as a franchise right now, their mindset on being competitive. We're probably done with those days of young guys jumping into the NHL roster right away, uh, and being able to to, to contribute in, in bigger roles. It's yep. gonna have to be a guy that comes in and figures out how to be successful in limited minutes in in grinder roles and then work their way up or carve out that job and keep it.
2: Yeah. I agree and I think that may be a, a, a tough path for Weiss given his his size problems. You're
3: you're hoping hey, if We
2: honestly if, if they can get Matt Nieto out
3: of Tyler Weiss yeah, that'd be great. Where, you know, you the the speed creates problems and it plays in the NHL and it plays in Colorado's identity. Uh but then he learns the defensive side of the game. He learns to be disruptive. He's a good penalty killer. Uh he gets out there and and can handle those bottom the bottom 6 minutes and could be a 20-25 point guy in a bottom 6 role then, you know,
2: yeah, be, then you have mean, something. Getting that out of the 109th pick would be great. Yeah, exactly. It's someone I think might fit that role a little bit better. Was this year's fifth round pick in Sasha Mutala, all right? Uh, our first player playing in the CHL here. You love Mutala, I really do. So give me the give me the cell. We we talked about
3: uh, off air before the segment started. I said that of all of Colorado's like young forward prospects, the only one that I really feel confident gets an ELC today is Bocage. And you added Matala to that list. I did. Why?
2: I think his effort level is extremely liked by the Avs. He works very, very hard on both ends of the ice. I see the physicality in his game that when you drop him into that bottom six type role, you can earn a spot by working hard, doing those things defensively, blocking shots, willing to give up the body. And then on the offensive side, I question the consistency a little bit there, but he did score 20 goals this past season. He has the offensive ability. Another player, especially when you give him space so that he can take advantage of it. And with more opportunity in the coming season, he's very likely to play in the top six in Tri-Cities. He was kind of buried in the past season. I think you could see an offensive jump fairly significantly for him. You give him two more years in the CHL, he plays in the W. uh, You're looking at a player that I think very easily can transition to the Eagles is built well for the AHL game and then jumping into a bottom six role.
3: Okay. So that's your, that's your, why the, why the confidence though? Like we can, we can carve out paths to these guys getting to the NHL and finding out and finding appropriate roles for them. But why the confidence in Mutala specifically?
2: He's one of the few players, I guess somewhat in the same vein as Nick Henry and Ty Lewis, but Lewis was undrafted and Henry's draft was now two years ago. Mm -hmm. Since then, he's the first player I see that has that skill to go along with that high energy level you can turn him into an energy guy that he's never going to quit on the play. He's never going to have any of those problems. He's solid enough defensively that he doesn't run into the problems that Ranta has there. So he's very versatile and Mm -hmm. how you get NHL players out of depth picks is versatility. And that always gives me confidence.
3: Yeah. It's, I mean, it certainly starts with uh, being able to transition to a bottom six role and not being a top six only.
2: Right, and, and look, if they get a bottom sixer for life out of Mutala, that's great. A fifth-round pick in your NHL roster. So. The
3: Abs haven't gotten anything like that. Right. Uh, out of anybody. Straight up. And you look Not at their forward group. I mean, Cam Morrison's a power forward. Yeah, sampo Ranta's kind of, like we talked about, kind of that electric could be Honestly, has the best shot of any of these guys, I think, to be a legitimate top six guy. Yeah. Um. Burzon, Bocage, Mutala, um, Kovalenko. For completionist sake, I'll, I'll include uh, Smirnov. Sure. Steinberg. Sajin. I don't know. Is there? I mean, geez. Realistically, how many? How many NHL players should the Avs get out of that group for it to be considered a success? And don't just say 1 because they haven't done it because that's cheating. I mean, no. not compared to the not compared to the past success for the Avs which has been abysmal. I mean, to really consider that whole group, that prospect pipeline, how many how many of those guys, you know, and we're not and a lot of these guys are not high picks. Sure. You know, we're, I, I didn't include new hook in that. Uh I'm not including yeah. guys who are already signed. I'm not including a Bowers or even Henry uh, yeah. or yeah, or a Henry or, or a cow or any of these guys, you know, I'm, I'm included. We're talking just the unsigned guys here.
2: Yeah. You honestly, I would say too, if they can get two legitimate NHLers more than just a cup of coffee guys, I think they're doing very, very well. You're, you're covering later round picks across four drafts, I guess, if you're counting Morrison. Mm-hmm. If you can get a late round pick to hit every other year, you're doing very, very well.
3: Even a second rounder. Yeah, right. Anything outside the first. Even if you get a second round, and that's not just Colorado's history. That's across the NHL. Right. If you can regularly find guys. I mean, again, we're talking about Matt Nieto. Matt Nieto was a second round pick. If you can get, you know, and that it's a little bit of a disappointment when like, oh, you're so high on this guy and he turns into like a depth guy for you. Uh, You'd like for more of like your fourth or your fourth round pick to become fourth liners. But getting even just that out of it is one of the reasons why a team like San Jose has been as successful is because they just pull NHL talent out of everything, everywhere, undrafted, the draft, all of it. Same as Tampa Bay. And with Colorado, I think what I like is that they've they've drafted enough guys now who are different from each other. Yeah. That it gives them a chance to, to succeed. They're not they're not trying to mine. They're not saying, okay, statistically speaking, one out of every 35 of this type of player hits. So we're gonna draft 35 of them and be happy with the one that works out. They are going out and they're mining through lots of different skill sets. You know, you look at even just look at this year's class alone and yeah. the guys that they drafted all on the right side in Bocage, Burzon, and Mutala. You got three very different guys right there. Yep. You know, Mutala is your lunch pail specialist, you know, the the super tryhard of the group. Uh, Burzon, yeah. I think, is probably the best skater of that group. Bocage is by far the
2: best shooter in that group. Right, they all have their specialty, kind
3: of. Right, and they all when they all fill a different role, and you can theoretically see where two of these these three guys can play on a line together down the road if things go well.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And I think that's one thing, one of the few things that I've liked about how they have gone about building their prospect pipeline and drafting forwards in recent years is, you know, with the Rick Pracy forwards, it felt like it was copy and paste, copy and paste. Same kind of guy that they were always drafting. It was always that small guy that they were trying to get the next Tyler Johnson, the next Johnny Gaudreau, all the time. That was like Rick Pracy's thing. I'm going to get the next Munchkin that's going to be a star. And that's how you ended up using (laughs) third-round picks on a guy like Troy Bork.
2: Right. And... It's been a a fair criticism of the Avs for a couple of years now that their bottom six is a lot of the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. A lot of the same player at that NHL level, and this is where it starts. You want to get some diversity in your bottom six? Draft diverse players and develop them. With the Avs,
3: let's talk Cam Morrison before we get out of here.
2: Yeah, definitely fair, heading into his senior year. His senior year, this guy was drafted 40th overall,
3: and there seems to be no confidence in him whatsoever. Yeah. Is this a guy that you think there's more there in in a pro style with more structure and more freedom to play offense uh, away from uh, a school that
2: tries to win
3: one nothing every night?
2: I mean that's certainly what you're hoping. I I really wish he had just signed and not gone back for his senior year because even if he kills it this year, all that's going to really matter to me is is what he looks like against pros at this point.
3: Okay, so in saying that, would you sign him after his senior year almost regardless of what happens?
2: Pretty much. It, is it is he old enough for it to be down to a one year even I think. No. So okay, it's still two. That's fine. I Why not take the shot on the kid? If you're doing it, you're betting on him getting back to what he was when he played in the uh, the NHL. I can't remember the the acronym for the American Junior A League. (laughs) USHL, there it is, sorry. Uh, You want him to get back to that goal-scoring ability, that consistent play. Away from that system that you mentioned at Notre yeah. Dame. Well,
3: because he was a yeah. dominant player in the OJHL. Right. And then the USHL. And because I, I tell people, like, guys that score 30 goals in the USHL in their first year there are uncommon. Fair.
2: Yeah. You know, he's a very defensive league for sure. He had
3: a pretty similar scoring line, albeit in more games played than Bobby Brink did this last season. And teams were just falling all over themselves to draft Bobby Brink.
2: Yeah. And uh, they're both not the best skaters, certainly. And that could be one of my big concerns is once he gets to that pro level, how much can he get out of him? Yeah. with those slower skating especially in a an AHL system that has very much so moved towards a high octane skating ability in the past couple of years. I do wonder if he's just he's just such a different guy. Yeah. than
3: everyone else in their system. Can uh, he bring that unique right. something? Like does that does that give him a leg up in that he's not competing with five other power forwards? He's kind of it even even if you consider uh, AJ Greer, a power forward, who is in a, in in some ways for sure, um, but I I think has has more of an all around ability than than Morrison. Yeah, I agree. But even then, you know AJ Greer m- might be facing a do or die year in this organization, uh, so he may not even be here when when Morrison's college career ends. Right, uh, but. With Morrison, my point being that Morrison faces very little competition in that style of player. He's already going to stand out immediately.
2: It will be interesting. Look, I'm never against signing prospects unless they really, really struggled.
3: Yeah. Like if Morrison goes out and has a 10-point season, then it's just like, look, we're we're just going to move on. Like,
2: right. But you're, you certainly wouldn't expect that he's performed better than that up to this point. Maybe not to the level that we were hoping, yeah. but and they that, have seen scoring from him.
3: You have to love that he's made huge, huge plays in each of their turning runs. Yeah.
2: Mister Clutch right. for sure. Like,
3: and and I'm not a guy that like believes deeply in like the clutch gene, but when a guy continues to make huge plays at huge times,
2: it's not invaluable. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I believe in clutch, but I definitely believe that there are players that shrink from the moment. I definitely, I agree
3: with that completely that there are guys who can't handle it because there, I mean, that's, that's true just in life, that there are people who are not built for stressful situations like that for those kinds of big moments. And there are people who it it, it just absolutely does not bother them. And, but I I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know about like a clutch. I don't know if that's clutch, you know, that's sure. That's a whole other podcast we could do.
2: It, it certainly is. But yeah, for Morrison, you sign him and he can take the spot of a Felix Lausanne that they signed this year. Maybe a Ryan Wagner type every year yeah. they sign a bunch of these AHL guys. And if you can turn an AHL guy into a maybe prospect, you know, he, his odds of the end, making the NHL are what they are, whether that's high or low, mm-hmm but you have a chance of getting something out of a prospect rather than signing some random AHL lifers.
3: If you sign him at the end of the senior season, uh, and I do believe it would be two year ELC. um, There you go. Because he's, he's 20 right now, but he turns 21 later this month. And that means he will turn 22 before September 15th uh, next year. Yeah. Um, And that's,
2: is it 23? That's the cutoff. I don't know. It's 22. I forget. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. So it'd be like, it's real close. Yeah.
3: So he'd be, he'd be just inside the cutoff for it to be a two year deal. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking, you don't have to make like the full commitment, right? Like you don't have to, it's not like a lengthy commitment that you're making to him. Um, right. It's just a two year ELC. He would have to be on some sort of like a, a faster track though. Yeah, that's not a guy that you're bringing in at 22 years old and saying, okay, we're going to give you a full year in the AHL and then we'll see how you do in camp. That's a, we're going to see how you do in camp. And then he needs to be high up on the call up list. If he shows well and, and you know, he looks like he belongs, et cetera, et cetera. He comes in and he's totally swamped under and you're like, okay, well then that changes the conversation of course. But I do, I do think that he still has value. I would still sign him. Um, I talked to him about it and you know, if you listen to the interview that I did with him, uh, I put it on BSN Denver back during uh, development camp. He sure made it sound like the abs offered him a deal. And he said, no, uh, that he wanted to go back for his senior year uh, because he felt like he had unfinished business with the Irish and uh, he wanted to get his degree. And, and that was kind of his focus.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I have as much faith in him as you do, but Again, why not? The Abs don't have contract issues. They're not going to have contract issues. It, there's no reason not to. I've been on the Cam Morrison
3: Island basically since the moment he was yeah. drafted. <laughs> yeah, because everybody wanted somebody else at that spot. <laughs> you know, there was there was someone else that everybody was was hankering for, including Sam Gerard.
2: <laughs>
3: so, boy, well, I tell you, it would look different if they'd taken Carter Hart
2: there. Yeah, what a world that would have been.
0: (laughs) Uh, Maybe that's
2: something we can get into since we're into August. We can we can get into a few what if scenarios later in this week. We'll see. Yeah, but I'm finally gonna finally gonna get around to writing the first of those this week. There you go. So you have that to look forward to. I think that's a good place to end this Monday podcast. We have four more podcasts coming up this week to help get you guys through the deepest part of the off season. And you will hear from us tomorrow.
0: Piper electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years.